Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoopball presentation. What is up? It is the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast, and boy, it's been a long time since I've gotten a chance to say those words. We have been on a hiatus here at Hoop Ball, as obviously the NBA season has come to a halt due to COVID-19. Hope this podcast comes to you as you are happy and healthy and staying sane as we stay indoors here, at least in Los Angeles. Not sure where you are listening, but assuming the majority of people are in California, Clippers fans located near the L.A. area. And this podcast will be one that perhaps gives you a chance to step away from all the craziness of real life at the moment and talk a little bit about Clippers basketball here with Andrew Greif of the L.A. Times. Andrew will chat with me about the layoff. Obviously, this has been a while now since the NBA was postponed because of the coronavirus. It was mid-March when that Rudy Gobert incident occurred, and then all of a sudden we found out that the NBA was suspended. And this was, of course, during a time in which the Clippers were playing their best basketball. They were tremendous. Kawhi healthy, Paul George healthy, got get Patrick Beverly back, and all of a sudden you start winning ball games, And then... This pandemic hit, and the Clippers were basically stopped right in their tracks. And the question is, will the season continue? So we'll talk to Andrew about the possibility of the season continuing, where it might continue. This layoff, will it affect Paul, George, and Kawhi, good or bad for the two of them? And also we'll talk a little bit about our favorite Clippers moments, because the Clippers will be on prime ticket over the next couple of weeks And they'll be airing some of the best moments in Clippers history. And it starts on Sunday, May 3rd, with the Clippers-Wizards game from March 23rd, 2011, in which Blake Griffin earned his first triple-double in the Clippers' double overtime victory. And then it continues May 6th and May 7th, Wednesday and Thursday. And then we'll go Wednesday and Thursday the following week, a Saturday, and so on. So the entire month of May, there'll be plenty of games that have been memorable during The Clippers' time both in Los Angeles and other places as well. If you go all the way back to Bob McAdoo, and of course you got Danny Manning. So we'll talk a little bit about the Clippers' history a little bit later on with Andrew as well. So we'll try and hit on several different things from the historical part of the Clippers to the current Clippers and what the Clippers perhaps are doing right now to get ready because we all want basketball back. I know everybody here at Hoop Ball is really hoping to see the season come back, not just obviously from a fantasy standpoint, because frankly, fantasy basketball probably is out the window at this point because you had teams that were built to go forward knowing that certain teams were going to play a certain number of games. You knew that certain players were going to be healthy, 
based on what was going on. A guy, for example, like Ben Simmons that was having back issues. And now all of a sudden, if the season were to begin today, Simmons would be healthy. So forget the fantasy season. Really, it's just sports that we want back in our life. We want the actual seasons. The Clippers and Lakers here in Los Angeles were destined to play each other in the Western Conference Finals. And hopefully that still does occur. So without further ado, let's go ahead and let's bring in Andrew Greif of the LA Times. All right, glad to have Andrew on, a guy we've had on the podcast several times as he joins Hoopball Clippers podcast once again. Andrew, how are you? I'm doing okay, surviving, all things considered, doing well. There you go. You got a kid, don't you? Two. Yeah, so how's uh, how's playing teacher for you? Uh, luckily, they're not that old. Um, I guess that's the good thing. Okay, um, so we haven't had to play too much. Definitely our, our kids' entertainment all the time, so... Uh, it's definitely a juggling act. Yeah, man. You re- you really get a chance now to thank the teachers and all the uh, nannies that take care of the kids and watch over the kids because I don't have any of my own. I actually just got married. I, I don't know if I talked about this in the podcast, actually, but I got married on March 21st, right when this was starting. Um, we ended up going from a 150-person ceremony uh, and party to a seven-person ceremony and having to postpone the actual wedding. So... Just got married, so no kids at the moment, but you really, I got a chance to see my brother, and I, I don't know how they do it, man, because uh, I get tired from one hour with my nephews. I, I don't know how the nannies and teachers do it. I know, I know, and my wife stays at home with the kids, and I'm just in awe of her because of all the work she does when I'm gone. It's pretty amazing. That's an amazing wedding story, by the way. That is, I mean, that's going to be a story forever that you're going to be able to tell. I know, and I feel bad because my wife now, I mean, she was distraught at first and I was pretty distraught too because especially her I mean she spent all this time planning it we had an 18 month engagement on purpose so that we could take our time and have nothing get messed up along the way get our first choice of venue our first choice of band and have everything kind of fall in line perfectly and then of course this happens so you try and make it as perfect as possible and then it just gets blown out of the water but at the end of the day what can you do right 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 yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm glad you guys made the best of it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, I mean, it would be a lot better right now if I had Clippers basketball in my life. And uh, I mentioned in the intro, but we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about all different things Clippers here. But first, before we get into uh, some of the historical stuff, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, obviously, you have no clue, just like I have no clue. And we're getting a lot of things that are being floated out, whether it's Walt Disney World in Orlando, whether it's Vegas that perhaps is the home to the NBA. Um, what do you think happens? Because personally, I'm not sure I can see a season where regular season games are played. And at the same time, with that being said, I don't know how you jump straight into the playoffs with these guys need to be in a certain mentality and frankly need to be a certain fitness level to play high intensity games. How do you think it plays out? Well, you know, my colleague at the LA times, Dan Wiki, he just uh, reported actually that, you know, that all the NBA leaders are still keeping all their options open, which would include the possibility of regular season games. And that's interesting to me because I kind of thought that perhaps it's just a straight jump into the playoffs. You know, obviously that, limits the amount of teams you have to worry about takes care of a lot of obstacles in that way. It's just fewer people um, that you have to, you know, potentially keep quarantined if you go that route in like a one location setting. So uh, that surprised me a little bit that that all the options remain open, but uh, I really do think that they are going to, you know, obviously they want to play 
And I think they're going to exhaust every single option because of just the money involved. I mean, that's what's running everything. It's not a surprise. Um, but they just, you know, the players right now, they potentially, you know, eating, getting a big hit out of their paycheck. Um, you know, obviously the, the revenue from the league is dried up pretty much entirely. Adam Silver said a couple weeks ago they had already taken a hit with China. So every dollar saved right now is pretty much dollar earned. And would that mean that to get income back for the NBA, because you're not going to have fans in the seats, so there's no money going that way, it, it would have to be the TV rights, right? I mean, and then the question is, for regular season games, going back to what I was saying, I, how many do you have? Because a guy like Kawhi, for example, where we already know he's got those load management issues, how many games do you have? How many weeks make sense? And if you do go straight into the postseason – is there a bigger chance of injury? Because I can see it happening now, man. I could see it where you start the playoffs right away, and in round one, LeBron gets hurt because he didn't have the proper amount of time to get ready. I don't know how you do this properly because I feel like there's going to be backlash unless this goes perfectly, which is very unlikely. It, I, I totally – There's I've talked to a lot of people the last few weeks because of some stories I've written about what kind of um, length the league would need to really get things going to be safe for, for guys' health and um, the kind of different obstacles people see as being uh, needed to be cleared before they can play. I spent a lot of time talking to trainers um, and uh, a former NBA team doctor, just people like in that side of things who have expertise in kind of the health and management of, of, the, of these teams. And they felt like, and you know, even people within teams are thinking that Three weeks is probably the minimum that would have that would have to happen for players to get ready again. Um, you know, an athletic trainer for an NBA team I talked with said that he was really concerned about the layoff and the effects it could have on people's you know ankles and Achilles and just those kind of knees, um, those long layoff injuries. Uh, but the team doctor I spoke with, the former team doctor, I should say, he also felt like athletes these days are in better shape year round mm-hmm. and at least for the playoff teams, there's going to be a lot of incentive to stay in shape. So he wasn't so sure that it would be that dramatic of a loss of shape. Um, but I think the one thing, the one commonality that everyone talked about was that you can, you can be in great shape during the layoff, doing everything you can, but there's very little you can do to replicate basketball on your joints, you know, jumping, the constant jumping, uh, the hard stops. That's just something that is going to take time. And I think that is a real source of concern. Um, I, you know, I, 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 there's a lot of stuff that seems like has to happen before they could even get in the neighborhood of restarting the season. But one of them was that, uh, it seems like you would have to have, you know, much more advanced testing capacity across the country before a league from an optics standpoint would feel comfortable coming back because that's going to require tons and tons and tons of tests, untold number of tests. And, you know, from a, from an optics perspective, do you want to be that that entity that is reserving tons of those tests and uh, you know people to, to do the tests and the personal protective equipment um, when that could be going to hospitals or you know other organizations? That's something that I think is on people's minds too. So there's a lot of different factors. We all know this, but that's why I feel like it's just it seems daunting. I, I think that they're going to exhaust every option. But it seems extremely daunting. Yeah, and you look at other sports, and for example, a sport like baseball, let's say they decide to start up. If one player gets it, 
there's really no guarantee that anybody else on that team would have it because this game of baseball is pretty, I mean, if you want to talk about socially distant, that that's a game where it doesn't get much more socially distant than that. And they were talking about, okay, well, let's put them in Arizona. Let's put them in Florida. And then you have Mike Trout who says, well, my wife is pregnant. I mean, if she has a baby, does that mean that if I, I'm going, I'm not going to be there. I'm not, I'm not going to miss the baby being born. Can I go there? And then do I have to be quarantined for 14 days when I come back? So people may say, all right, let's, can we just play? But there's a lot that goes into it. And, for example, if you look at Orlando and Walt Disney World, and that's a chance perhaps where you can bring families and you can have everyone isolate in that area and play games where I think that might make the most sense out of all the different options that are being thrown around. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, it really is difficult. And you wonder, I mean, you say three weeks. Then the question is, do you play a couple of exhibition games? Do, do you play a couple of regular season games? I don't know if you can actually continue the regular season because you have those teams that are three games back in the West. I think there's three of them, including the Pelicans. And how many games is fair to go back and continue? Because you're probably not going to be able to continue an entire season. Although, that being said, there's talk about possibly starting the season next year in December as opposed to October. I really think, Andrew, this is something that we've never seen before. And I still don't think that anybody has anything close to an answer. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Um, going back to just what I read from, again, my colleague, Dan Wicke, you know, there, all options are open because no one really knows what's going to happen. Yeah, I want to talk about a Clippers side of things, though. For PG and Kawhi, this layoff, because everyone knows the Clippers were red hot before this coronavirus hit. And Patrick Beverly was back. PG and Kawhi were back. The Clippers actually just signed Joe Kim Noah. He hadn't played yet. So this was a team that was starting to click. Trez and Lou were there. Everyone was kind of hitting their stride at the same time. But then you have the question of PG was dealing with his shoulders. Kawhi was dealing with his knee. Is the layoff actually good for them? Or do you think it's bad for them with the way the Clippers are playing? Or is it better to get those guys completely healthy? Or do you think they'll be rusty and it's bad for them to be sitting as long as they're sitting? Is there a right answer to that one? Um, I... I, I've written about that a couple of different times, and I think that you're going to see a little bit of both. I mean, obviously the momentum, um, that, that carryover, that's going to suffer because of the layoff. But I really do think that you think about this team's chances to win a championship, what they all hinge on, and it's health, and we all know this. And we also know that health has been a struggle all year. So, um, again, the layoff could you know, lead to some devastating injuries potentially if, if, if some of these people's predictions, worst case predictions come true, but for the Clippers, it might not be a bad thing because, you know, you do have players who now have a chance to be fully recharged before the postseason. And, you know, Doc Rivers had a zoom call with some reporters about maybe three weeks ago now. And, and I asked him about Noah and just kind of what this has allowed him to do, because remember he'd come back from a pretty, pretty hard Achilles injury. Um, not, not a full-blown Achilles injury in the fall, but it was an Achilles injury. And, you know, they thought he'd be ready to go, but they weren't really putting, like, a ton of workload on him. That wasn't the intent. So with this, it's like, okay, he's now able to have kind of team supervision over a lot of his training, and um, this is a really good thing for a guy like that. Now, I don't know if that makes a difference in the playoffs or – you know, what kind of difference Noah will be long-term, but 
I really don't think it can necessarily be a bad thing because this team had been banged up so much that you could see it as being a boost. Do you have any idea how Kawhi and PG are training right now and what's going on on their end? Um, I've received a couple PR emails from someone uh, from Tonal, the uh, that like in-home workout unit, and they've they've been saying that Paul George has been working out with our product. Um, so I know for sure he's using Tonal. <laughs> he's also put that on his IG story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think Kawhi and PG both have a, a you know basketball hoop a setup where they can play. They can actually shoot. And stay sharp that way. Not everyone has that, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those guys are in a pretty good situation. You know, they've they've been deep enough in their careers that they've had um, the resources where they can kind of build a home gym if they want to. So I don't think those guys are suffering. Um, kind of like the way I remember reading about Jason Tatum, where he said he hadn't even picked up a ball mm-hmm. in like a month. Um, so some guys are on one end of the spectrum. I think Quine PG are ultimately pretty okay. So who do you think this benefits the most? Is there a team, do you think, that this benefits the most? Um, is there a certain player or group of players do you think this benefits the most? And on the other side of th- things, is there a team that this hurts the most? Gosh. Um, I haven't put that much thought into it. Um, I guess that one thing that I immediately kind of springs to mind would be, you know, LeBron was on such a run. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, at that age, he was playing so incredibly that I guess I worry about the layoff for someone like him. Um, I think about rookies um, in terms of it being a, a potentially a bad thing. I think about rookies who it takes so long to really get the speed of the NBA game and really feel comfortable. Um, now, I think Zion is his own his own person. I think he's just remarkable. But mm-hmm. uh, I think there are some people like that who maybe a high impact rookie who. Mike has struggled to come back because all of a sudden that speed you were so used to, uh, we kind of get that muscle memory for now it's gone. So I could see that being one situation teams. Um, you know, I think this is a really good thing for a team like Philadelphia. That's, that's, that's an easy answer because, mm-hmm. you know, they were looking at heading into the playoffs without Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid potentially. Uh, those guys now seem like they have a runway to come back. Um, I don't, I don't think that Kevin Durant uh, is, is coming back this year. I think that had been kind of talked about is not really a possibility. But, you know, I guess pie in the sky, if the season were to go late enough, maybe. Um, I think that Philly might be, honestly, the big winner out of this. Just, and also, you have to look about Milwaukee. You know, right before um, the, the break, when the Lakers played Milwaukee, Giannis hurt himself. Mm-hmm. So now you have a little bit of runway for him to come back, too. Yeah, so it seems like it does help most of the stars to get their rest. I think overall, I think... Uh, Kawhi and PG were playing well, but I think they're good enough where if you look at the start of the season for the Clippers and Kawhi and Paul George, when they had their first couple of games back, uh, Kawhi was a little rusty, but I still think those guys are good enough to get going right away. And you make a good point about LeBron and from another side of things, and it's something that doesn't get talked about a lot. And you look at what the Lakers were playing for. Obviously, they had the whole Kobe Bryant season and how they were playing for Kobe, and they had that in the back of their minds. And it really does take a certain mindset, and especially for LeBron. And it's interesting because you then have this huge hiatus, and that really weighs on you emotionally to then just step away from this game for that long and then try and get back into that kick-ass gear that these teams need to get into. So it'll be interesting to see really mentally how these teams get back into things. Because basketball, as much as it is a game about skill, I think mentally 
it, it does play a large role where your head is during these games. And I should say this about LeBron. I mean, there's one player who you know is training like crazy. It's yeah. him. So yeah. in that respect, you know, I don't think that the fitness is going to be an issue with LeBron at all. But mm-hmm. I just, you know, that team just was operating at such a strong on such a strong frequency that you know I think that um, obviously it's it, same with the Clippers in that way. Just getting that momentum back is something that it's not guaranteed to come back. Yeah, no doubt. It'll be interesting to see what happens because I know that. I think Doc was talking about how he's either calling a player or texting a player every other day or something like that. And then this was a while ago, obviously. And then they're trying to get these groups together on Zoom and do workouts. But it really just does not have the same pace of game speed. And like you said, I mean, the intensity, especially if we were to jump straight into the playoffs, it's pretty difficult to jump straight into that. It'll be interesting to see. Um, Speaking of playoffs, though, and big Clipper moments, the Clippers announced I think it was yesterday or the day before that they are going to be playing some old time games all the way back to the Buffalo times for the Clippers with Bob McAdoo for the entire month of May. And it starts with Clippers Wizards against uh, it was Blake Griffin, his first triple double. And the Clippers won that game in double overtime in 2011. The game after that Clippers Grizzlies coming back from down 24 to beat Memphis in game one of the first round of the playoffs and so on and so on. You got a chance. You wrote about this a little bit. Um, I saw you tweet about it and talk about it. And I want to get your point of view on this because you're someone that grew up in Oregon and here you are now covering the Clippers. And so what game here that the Clippers are going to be airing sticks out the most to you? Yeah. I mean, the idea of a classic Clippers game to me because of how, you know, where I grew up and not, not in the kind of area for the Clippers that to me doesn't mean much. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think young Blake is really interesting because we kind of now are, I say we, the Royal we, but Mm -hmm. at least I, I think of Blake now, I never covered him, but you know, he's not the same athlete he was clearly. And I just think that that's a, um, I think that it's really interesting to to be reminded of how incredible an athlete he really was when he was first starting out. And and so I think that's the thing that I would want to watch in some ways, not for like, the game, the result, or the action, because that stuff never stuck with me. But I remember how exciting it was to watch Blake Griffin when he was just kind of starting out after that delayed rookie year and just being like, just feeling like it was an athlete you hadn't seen in a while, just an explosiveness that you had to watch you know, just to see what might happen. Um, that's, like that, that's like the most exciting type of athlete there is for me. And so I feel like right now, you know, when I've seen Blake in person play, it's not the same. And so I, I want to go back and, and rewatch that vintage of his of his career because I really loved it in the moment. And obviously, um, you know, that's why people love Zion. That's why people love, you know, Dominique Wilkins when he was when he was young. It's like you just want to see someone go crazy, do something that you can't do as an athlete. So um, that's why my vote would be kind of some of those young games where Blake is just, you know, otherworldly in a league of amazing athletes he's clearly head and shoulders above yeah he no doubt was incredible to watch I mean you go back to the slam dunk contest obviously when he uh, quote-unquote jumped over the car and uh, I mean he was uh, a special player I mean you could have probably put him in the top five at one point in time top five players in the NBA and then injuries got to him and I've talked about on the podcast before but I started my Clippers fandom in the early 2000s with guys like Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles and Corey Maggette, Elton Brand and it's progressed obviously I mean Sam Cassell joined the Clippers 
And they've had some good players and some good teams along the lines. There are a couple of games that stand out to me, Andrew. And I think the most iconic moment for me would probably be Chris Paul's game winner against San Antonio when he hit that shot to win game seven. It was the same night, I think right afterwards, I believe it was Mayweather-Pacquiao was the fight. It was definitely a boxing match right afterwards. And I remember watching the Clippers game first and then the boxing match. I remember there's a video I was watching at home when Chris Paul hit that shot, I went running around my entire living room going crazy. So that game is one where I'll never forget where I was. And then another was during that Grizzlies-Clippers game that I mentioned in 2012. I was in Orem, Utah, broadcasting minor league baseball that summer. And I'd gotten there early before the season started. And the Clippers, I think I actually turned that game off at one point. And... Then I turned it back on in like the third quarter, and then Nick Young had a huge three as the Clippers had that comeback. I'm not sure how much of those Clippers games you knew about, Andrew, and how much you've actually watched. Uh, I guess that's a good question to ask you because you have been on the Clippers beat now for a couple of years. Do you go back and watch those games, or do you know much about those games? For example, that Clippers-Grizzlies game from 2012? I would say that the Clippers-Grizzlies series – um, that's something I remember because they just felt like they're just like fist fights, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like even someone who was like a casual fan watching the playoffs, a casual fan of the Clippers, you know what I mean? Just like watching games, but not like super invested into one team. I felt like those were fun because we had the grit and grind team and it just, I, I love watching that team play because it felt like it was from a different time in the NBA, like the early nineties. Um, and, and it was just, it, the competition was vicious. And then let alone, Hearing last year, my first year on the beat, hearing Dan Wojcicki talk about watching those series in person was really cool because in Memphis, the seats are, the press seats are like right on the floor. They're some of the best seats still in the NBA for media. You're right behind the scorer's table. You can hear this, uh, the visiting coach. Um, I love going to watch games in Memphis. And he was just talking about, you know, the, the scene of what it was like, the atmosphere to be in that building, which was so, you know, one-sided, obviously, against uh, against the Clippers and just the vitriol and to be able to hear what the players were being yelled at by the fans. I mean, that, that was kind of a really cool thing to hear from my perspective. So that's one thing that I guess I knew a little bit about. I, I remember it a little bit. And then to hear that, it jogged my memory and maybe go back and watch a little bit um, of the Clippers Grizzlies series. Um, but that's pretty much the only one that I truly sticks out. Yeah. The, the last one for me would be one where I was at, and that was the Clippers-Rockets. I believe it was game three of the series in which they ended up blowing that huge lead, uh, that big series lead. But game three was the one where Austin Rivers went absolutely berserk, and he was hitting every single three he was taking. It, It really was the Austin Rivers game, and I remember being at that game. I was about 10 to 15 rows behind the basket with my brother, And we were going crazy every single time Austin Rivers put up a shot. And then, of course, Josh Smith and the Houston Rockets had uh, some other ideas in that series. And that, frankly, was the end of Lob City as we knew it. So that game was huge because it was a game that was incredible to be at, but also was huge because it marked really the end of Lob City. Uh, That series in general just was the end of the Clippers as we knew it. As, it was, as they were constructed. So this team's had some interesting uh, groups, you know? I mean, you look back at, like I said, the Quentin Richardson, Darius Miles, Corey Maggette, Elton Brandes, and then you go forward 
the team that I believe was in 2006 when it was Clippers-Lakers almost until the Suns right. beat the Lakers in that first round. And then you go now, uh, you have the Blake Griffin CP3 Lob City era, and now with PG and Kawhi. There's been so many different eras of Clippers basketball. And now, of course, with Ballmer, it's a whole, a whole different story. So it's been interesting to see. I'm glad they're going to play some of these games back because there's been some good ones, man. And uh, that game where Austin Rivers went nuts, that's one that I really will uh, will never forget. I mean, is there a game that you will never forget? I mean, uh, it's it's hard to say. Uh, I don't know if you want to say a Clippers game in the last couple of years or one that you perhaps grew up with, with maybe Portland or another team. Uh, um, honestly, a game I will never forget is watching the last game of the last damn season of the Bulls. I remember, I remember watching that that Jazz Bulls game when he hits the game one over Byron Russell. Um, I remember coming home after the league, and I was really pulling for the Jazz because I. I think my dad liked John Stockton and Carl Malone. And so like, I, I remember being like, I just remember hearing that John Stockton was from the Northwest. And so I, I think that was maybe something that stuck with me. And, but I was just, I remember watching that and, and not even really, I think in the moment knowing that the, that the Bulls dynasty was over because I was 11. So I wasn't like, you know, that into the, probably the, the end of the dynasty talk, but I just remember coming down the wire. I remember that steal they, you know, Jordan comes over and rips away from Malone from behind him and comes down and hits the shot. Like, I remember that. And that was, that, that, that to me is one of those foundational games where you just, you rip it into the last second. And then when it's over, uh, you know, you go outside and you shoot hoops in your driveway. Like that, that is really like the purest distillation of, of why I love basketball going back to when I was a kid. So that's one that I remember. Um, I do remember the you know, Damian Lillard game winner against Houston in 2014. Yep, the kind of the walk off, that walk off. I remember watching that one all the way through, and and not even being a fan of Portland necessarily. Like I, I was living in Eugene, Oregon at the time, two hours south. But just you know, like there's not that many pro teams obviously in the uh, in the state, so you uh, end up watching or uh, you know, Blazers when it's kind of playoff time. Just being like stunned by that shot just legitimately stunned like it's just that to me it, it was a I was obviously older but it was just like a gobsmack type of game that, that actually happened yeah I remember where I was actually when that uh when that play happened so it, that's definitely a good one good one to choose before we let you go I want to talk a little bit about uh the LA Times and newspapers in general because you're writing right now for the LA Times we spoke right before we started recording that you're not completely um, doing stories that you normally write. I mean, obviously, there's no gamer. There's no features really to write at this point in time. You're doing more stories that are being assigned to you versus stories that you're kind of doing on your own. And this is a tough time for journalism. I know right now for the LA Times, you can sign up for $1. I believe it is for, I think it's a month that they're doing. Is that what it is? One Or $1 for six weeks? What is it? I believe it's a dollar for a month. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, the so I want to talk about the importance of supporting um, local newspapers and in particular, the LA times for you, how difficult for you right now is it to, I guess, to look at the state of journalism and see that advertising obviously is really important. There's not much to advertise, but you're still here trying to fight and continue writing. I mean, how difficult of a time is it for you personally? And what is your take on the importance, obviously, of newspapers? I mean, newspapers are, 
mean, I just, I grew up on them, obviously, I'm biased, but I just think that they're vital to not only um, the community, but the country, and just, you know, ensure that people are informed, clearly. Uh, it's a basic function of the newspaper, uh, not really stating too much groundbreaking stuff there, but I think that uh, I'm really, really proud to work for the Times, frankly, and um, seeing all the resources that we're still doing during the pandemic, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm just, I wish people knew like what, what my colleagues on the news side, what, what they're doing like every day. Like we have pictures of our photographers and how they have to dress to go out and, you know, get people this information. And uh, I'm just, you know, I of course think that people should support their local news organization, whether that's, you know, the place that even if you live somewhere else now, like maybe the place in your hometown, that could use it. Um, I know a lot of people at places I worked previously with, it's really hard there. And so I feel lucky to be, at the times where, you know, there is still a lot of incentive to invest and to really make sure that, you know, this is the time when we know people need news to really give them that uh, and not pair back. So I'm, I'm proud to work there. I, I, I'm glad that you brought it up because I wish people, um, you know, would support and, and come out and help us. And it's, it's going to be really hard at the local level for smaller newspapers. Um, you know, that's the one thing I, that kind of, makes me sad is that, you know, places that I grew up reading that are the reason why I got into this business, um, are having a really hard time and, you know, you just don't know what their viability is. Um, but I, I really think that, um, they're just vital. Newspapers are just vital to everything we do. Uh, I, you don't, you don't really know what you have until they're gone. And I'm afraid that these smaller places you see going away, it's really going to hurt those communities. So, um, I would love to, I would love to be, you know, able to say that we're going to be leading through this thing and um, even stronger on our way out, but it's going to take a lot of help. So I would absolutely welcome any support anyone would have for the times. What's the one story that you're looking forward to writing when this all ends? Um, I, I've got a couple like that. I was really looking forward to writing. Don't want to jinx them. Um, but I have a couple that like hinged on the Clippers uh, postseason mm-hmm. that I thought would be really cool to kind of go back and, and peel back the curtain on. Um, I just, you know, I think there's just a lot of features that I had been working toward or thinking about getting started on, you know, players or, or coaches or executives with Clippers. And, you know, right now, those are just totally on pause. So that's something that I want to get back to. It's it's something that in the middle of the season, uh, as it was a normal season, I probably was like, oh, I'll just get to it. You know, you don't really pay so much mind. But now, you know, I'm really... <laughs> Those are the stories like I would die to do right now because it's just been so long since I've been around the team physically that, um, yeah, even, even just a gamer. And I would love a gamer right now. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. You dread the deadline. You dread having to go get those quotes afterwards. And now it's one of those things where you'd kill to go and be able to uh, go and cover a game and, and write those gamers. And f- even if it's a double overtime game where you're pressed to the deadline, I mean, that you'll take that. No doubt about that right now. Before we let you go, one final question. What's been the best show that you've been able to watch during this uh, time inside? Um, my wife and I really liked the last season of Ozark and uh, McMillions. Yeah, okay. I'd say those are two of our favorites. Um, and, I mean, we liked Ozark to begin with, but McMillions was like, we love that. We thought that was fantastic. So definitely recommend that one. Haven't watched either one, actually. I, uh, we started Sopranos because I never actually watched that show when it was on. Neither had my wife. So we're on season three towards the end of the Sopranos. Did you ever watch that show? 
Yes. Yeah, so it's good. good. It's we a good actually one. were talking about going back and rewatching that. Yeah, it's it's a good one. It's a really good one. Obviously, watched uh, Tiger King with everybody else in the entire world. Um, yes. And it's that was interesting to say the least. But man, watching way more TV than I ever thought I would be watching. It's it's gotten to that point where now the wife is watching Vanderpump Rules, and I'm sitting there interested in what she's watching. So it's it's time for us to go outside and uh, and get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, I told someone the other day, I said, you know, I used to think there were way too many NBA seasons, uh, NBA games in the regular season, but now I would do anything to be back at one. So, uh, but like to your point, I'd, I'd, I'd love to go like five miles away from my house. So, um, yeah. anything, I'd do anything right now just to get out. Well, Andrew, it's been great having you on. Uh, I know that this has been a difficult time to uh, be a newspaper writer and covering a team where there is no season. So, we appreciate you giving us the time. Hopefully we can have basketball back soon. Hopefully we can have you back soon. It's been a pleasure having you on the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Yeah, man. Anytime, as always. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that one with Andrew Greif for the LA Times. Please, please, please support your local newspaper. I believe it is $1 for an entire month of the LA Times. And if you want to continue... Uh, you'll be paid a certain amount. You'll have to pay a certain amount after that, but it is really worth it to see the types of stories that the LA Times is coming up with. And Andrew mentioned it that whether it's covering something like a Zoom call with Doc Rivers in the media or something else, where it's these players that are playing in these tournaments with video games. You pa- saw Patrick Beverly do pretty well initially, and same with Trez before they fell. I believe it was in the semifinals of that NBA 2K tournament. I mean, these guys are doing whatever they can to uh, stay employed. I know everybody else out there, whether you've been laid off or you're still working, you've been furloughed, uh, my heart's with you. And this is a really tough time. I know we all want basketball back. I know we all want to go back outside. Um, But I hope this podcast brought you a little bit of enjoyment during what is a very difficult time. The goal, by the way, is to be doing a podcast once per week. And I'll be having a guest on every single week. Um, I'm going to reach out to Brian Seaman, TV voice of the Los Angeles Clippers, probably try and get Noah Eagle back on as well. So we'll uh, we'll go all over the place to find out guests. And like I always say, if there's a guest that you want, please tell me at BD Marcus is the Twitter handle. That's at BD Marcus. This is the Hoopball Clippers podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you listening again. Andrew Greif of the LA Times with our guest. You can follow him on Twitter at Andrew Greif. G-R-E-I-F is that last name, and I am at B-D. Marcus has been the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Go Clips! This has been a Hoopball presentation.